It is great to have you on the Family Goals Podcast with Davey Pollock and Pastor Jay. I'm Joel and House, and on this podcast, we want to encourage you to grow closer to God, to strengthen your marriage, and to inspire your family to reach its highest potential. This is part two of a powerful interview with former UGA football player and Super Bowl champ, Ben Watson. So if you haven't listened to part one, go do that now, but here's part two. Yeah, I think I would be curious, Ben, you grew up as a pastor's kid, and now you had kids of your own. What What is your church involvement now? Because I'm sure when you grew up, you were at church all the time, because <laughs> your dad... <laughs> so, of course, you played football on Sunday, so that might have been difficult back in the day. What What does church look like for your family, and, and how is that a priority for you guys? Yeah, I, I think... Um... Yeah, you know, you know the story. You know, you went to church when you were a kid on Sunday, and then Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. You know, you were there all the time, literally. Like every day that ends in Y. All your <laughs> exactly, all all your memories were at church, playing in the church parking lot, and drinking the the juice and the cracker and eating the crackers. <laughs> that's, 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 that's what you remember. You know the animal cookies. Um, you know, church has been church has been a challenge for us, to be quite honest. Um, while I was playing. Uh, Kirsten will always make it a point to take the kids, even by herself, even if we had a one o'clock game, she would get the kids and go because she wanted them to understand that daddy's working today, um, but it's still Sunday. And at some point he won't be doing that job and it'll still be Sunday. And so she would take the kids to most of church and then leave and come to the games. If it was a home game, she established that, you know, during the season and in the off season, we would go to church together. I think what's what's difficult and been difficult for us is since we've moved so much, um, allowing ourselves to really get rooted in a church family, we've trained ourselves not to get attached. Mm. And, and I think that um, for believers, that is antithetical to to how we grow as as believers. It's been a necessity because of my job and because of you know, how we've moved. Um, and it's difficult to find a church. I mean, you can only visit one church a week, you know? So if you look at it that way to really get a good idea of a church and you visit for eight weeks, you know, that's, that's two months. And there's so many churches. So we've, we've struggled in that way. We are consistently going to a church now, which um, praising God for that, because now, you know, we're living um, on the South side of Atlanta and uh, you know, outside the, about, about near Peachtree City, Fayetteville area. And so we, we plan to be on this side of Atlanta long-term. So the great thing about it is like we can plug into a church family. So now we have been going to a church. Um, but for a long time, it was kind of hit or miss. Uh, but one thing I think that we one place where we have grown is we understand the importance of community. The church has been difficult, but I'll tell you something else. Um, we've also realized the importance of, of discipling kids at home. And so whether it's going through a pandemic when you can't meet together or whether you're moving from place to place and you don't have a home church, whatever it is, parents are charged, number one, with, you know, raising, being the first organization, I guess, or group of people to raise their kids to know the Lord and to teach their kids Mm. and disciple their children in the word. And so that responsibility so often for parents, we feel like it belongs to either their school, if they go to a Christian school, or we think it belongs to the church, whether they go to children's church or if they sit in the main service. 
we we abdicate that responsibility so much. And so the one thing I will say that we have benefited while we haven't been able to go to church, we've realized the importance of teaching kids at home. And, you know, I remember coming home one time and my wife had literally written out um, the first the first 15 verses of John. And she put on these big sticky notes and put them on the window. We were living in New Orleans and she was teaching the kids, you know, the first chapter of John and they were memorizing it together, you know, before they went to school. And at that point, my daughter was very young, four years old or so. And she was able to like recall first 15 something verses of John because she learned it at home. And so, you know, the challenge I think there is, you know, there are places in this world where people can't gather together and go to church. Fortunately for us, we can. But if you can't because you're moving or because a pandemic happens or something happens like that, understand that, you know, we as parents are, are charged to do this and we have what it takes to teach our kids. Okay, so I, I love that. And I know Pastor Jay loves that, too. You, you talked about the sticky notes. What else do y'all do as a family? What else, what other books, what other um, ideas, what other, th- like we have, we have family meetings on Sunday where we always go through our schedule and our week and we sit down and we get to get in each other's lives. What else, what else can you help people with or things that have helped you've seen with your kids or you guys gather and accomplish some of those things? Yeah, nothing mind blowing. Uh, you know, one thing that we do is, um, is, is simply is, is read the Bible. <laughs> I mean, I have these conversations with people and they're like, you know, what curriculum do you guys have or, or what flashcards do you have? And, you know, what videos do you watch? And, and there are several, uh, several different you know, forms of mediums that, that you can use for those sorts of things. But the biggest response I get from my kids is when we sit down and we read, we read through the book of Genesis. And like on one day, we're doing Genesis chapter one, creation. The next day, Genesis chapter two, creation of man. Genesis chapter three, the fall of man. Genesis chapter four, Cain and Abel. Genesis chapter five, the family of Seth. Genesis chapter six, God's promise of the flood. You know, and we're going through that. And then we sit there and talk about it. And the questions that they come up with are just incredible. But we're putting deposits, we're planting seeds that are going to grow. And God's world doesn't return void. And so... there are a number of videos you can watch, but but I would just say the biggest the biggest return I've seen um, is is just from reading scripture or or even listening to it when you're driving the kids to school. Um, Adventures in Odyssey is one thing I would recommend. I mean, I grew up listening to Adventures in Odyssey, um, and my kids actually like it. There are very few things that we did as kids that our that our kids actually yeah. like. That think is actually cool. <laughs> Cassette tapes. <laughs> exactly, but, but but they actually listen to those. So it's it's about finding those times. I think of passive discipleship with your kids, and a lot of it I think happens if our kids go to school outside of the home, which a lot of kids do. A lot of it is you know in the car in the commute. Mm-hmm. I love I love several things you said there because so many parents put it on the church to disciple the kids when it's really the parents job to disciple the kids in the church. Yet we're here to help. We're here to support. We have children's ministry, student ministry, small groups, all of those things. And then also it's not very complicated. It's back to the basics. It's the word of God. Teach, yeah. Teaching them the word of God, memorizing scripture, reading, reading through the books of the Bible. 
Well, and how many times do we talk about kids and we talk about their circumstances and where they come from? Like I've coached so many kids from different areas that aren't great areas that it's so hard to teach these kids football and discipline and toughness. Why? Because they don't get it at home. Like it's hard to overcome your circumstances regardless. If your kid isn't getting it at home, they're going to have to overcome you. Like they're going to have to mm. overcome your upbringing. Mm. Like that is your responsibility. That is your job. Like more is caught than taught. What they get in that house, they're going to receive and they're going to model and emulate. And if we're not, like, what do you expect? They're not mm. going to give you that. Yeah. Yeah. But I think, but I think that's why also, you know, that's why. You know, you've heard people say about, you know, it takes a village to raise a child. And I think there's limits on that clearly. But but I do believe that that the body of Christ is multifaceted and multidimensional and is able to feed into children in different ways if parents aren't doing it. Or if parents don't feel like they're in a space to do it. I mean, one thing we were challenged on is, you know, who are some who are some other adults? that you would be comfortable speaking into your kid's life. Because quite frankly, there may be some things that come up at at times when you're not there or issues that for whatever reason y'all can't talk about. Are there two or three other adults that you feel okay and you would say, you know what, if you see my kid doing this, have this conversation with them. Mm -hmm. But that also comes through community. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, you're right, David, like, you know, th- th- there are a lot of kids that, that don't get certain things at, at home. But the beauty of what we see through scripture is that even if your childhood is jacked up, and even if your childhood looked good and your parents are doing well, we're all dysfunctional in some way, and the gospel overcomes that. Yeah. And I can list uh, uh, as many people from from childhoods or parents that seem to have it together from good areas as I can from places that are bad areas. And the kids are totally flip-flopped as they become adults. That's the amazing thing about the gospel. Ben, I know your parents and especially your dad had a big impact on your life. And we, David and I were talking earlier about discipleship and the different people that have spoken into our lives have you had any, anyone in your life that was like a discipleship leader or, or someone who's a little older than you spiritually, other than your parents, that yeah. discipled you or poured into you? I, I've kind of, it's my own personal research, but it just seemed like so many people that have grown spiritually, that they've had someone else pouring into them. Yeah, I, I think, you know, my, my, my father is clearly number one, um, and I consider myself fortunate to have that. Uh, but throughout my career, there've been other people. I mean, I remember being in the new England Patriots and there was a guy named David Patton. David Patton was a wide receiver. He recently passed away. He was a veteran player. His locker was next to me. I got engaged, uh, to Kirsten right before my rookie year. And he was probably the only one in that locker room that said it was a good thing. I saw how he talked about his wife who wasn't with him, you know, his family was in South Carolina and he was up there in New England playing, but the way he talked about his wife, his family, the way he uh, sent her flowers and she sent him stuff. I saw, I don't know all their business, but I saw a a model of what a marriage could be like in the NFL when everybody else was telling me, 
man, you're crazy for trying to get married. I mean, you just got drafted, dude. Like, what are you doing? And so he, mm. whether he knew it or not, for that point in time, he spoke into my life. There was another guy named Don Davis. Don Davis um, played several years. He, uh, you know, was uh, director of football for a min- for a ministry called Pro Athlete Outreach, which Kirsten and I now we we serve in that role now. He Don still speaks into my life. Um, but as a believer, I saw him lead Bible studies in the locker room. He ended up retiring, and then I kind of moved into that role. I ended up leaving New England, and then Matthew Slater, who was doing a bang-up job for the last 16, 15 years of football, should be going to the Hall of Fame. Mm-hmm. He's been doing that for years. So you see how this torch is kind of being passed down. And so you're right. There are different people. Now, um, you know, pastor friends like Dr. Charlie Dates and Dr. Tony Evans and, you know, just just different people that God places you with for certain times speaking to your life. So, um, you know, I, I think, you know, the Bible talks about iron sharpening iron mm-hmm. and that's, that's so true. But to your point, there are always, there seem to be always people in my life that God used to either challenge me or disciple me. I remember going to play for the Browns. I left New England. I went to um, play for the Browns. I was a free agent. And come to find out, Kirsten had been praying. She's like, Lord, give this dude some friends that will build him up. Well, in Cleveland, we didn't win many games. <laughs> but I will tell you, there were a group of guys on that team that challenged me, hey, man, get up at 6, 6.30 before practice and let's pray together. I'm like, dude, I'm trying to get as much sleep as possible. I'm tired. We just had a baby. I'm not getting up praying. I'll see y'all at the facility. We can pray there. Before I know it, they're in my house. I'm in their house. You know, we're we're praying before practice. We're praying before games. I mean, just a time of rich spiritual encouragement. So there were several people, I will say, who have spoken into my life. Yeah, there's a guy who goes to our church who used to play for the Browns, Andre King. He played University of Miami and then for the Browns. But he talks all the time about the chaplain there in Cleveland that yeah. poured into him and the Bible study. That no, they had a couple Tom Petersburg. Bible. I think Tom Petersburg. That's it, yeah. 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 Had a huge impact on Andre's life. Hey, I'm a, I'm a New Orleans Saints fan. I grew up I grew up a Saints fan. And so I, this is kind of just a football question, but who who throws a better ball, Drew Brees or Tom Brady? <laughs> oh, that's a great question. Cuz you've called both you, of their passes. What, what do you mean by what do you mean by better? Easier to catch. Drew Brees. hey and and i always ask that question i always ask that question because you know better is that kind of ambiguous term that don't really really can't really identify what it means Mm -hmm. i think part of drew throwing a better ball is the fact that you always know the temperature in the dome you always know the wind in the dome it's just an easy i love I was made for indoor football. And God <laughs> I was made for luxury football. I, I wish I would have spent my entire career in New Orleans. I'm serious. Like, it's amazing. But Drew has incredible touch, accuracy. Tom probably has more velocity. And part of the reason why is because he's got to throw against Gale Force wins mm-hmm. during half the games anyway. Yeah. What, what about uh, what about playing for, for Bill Belichick as as – for your walk, for your life, for your comfort. Uh, I mean, what, what, what was that like? A lot of people would probably want to know that. Uh, I struggled. I struggled. 
David, like I, I did not like it at all. Um, he was he was very very hard to play for in the sense that you know he's always on you. His standards are super high. He doesn't bend them for anyone. All good things, but the way he talks to people, the demeaning way he talks to people <laughs> um, in team meetings, uh, you know, embarrasses folks. It, he's just he's a hard guy to play for. And and coming into the league, being young, going through an injury early in my career, um, it, you know, I, I I struggled. I mean, there were times in New England when, like, I would go to work, and you know, I ended up having I ended up having to get professional help, like seeing a psychiatrist later in my career there because I was borderlining depression. And part of that was it wasn't all Bill. I mean, I deal with a lot of perfectionism type stuff anyway, but then the the combination of going to that place with all my baggage I had already was not very healthy for me. Interestingly enough, after leaving there for 10 years, I go back. Why? Because I appreciated the standards that he set, but I was in a different mental space. Yep. You know, I was able to handle the critique, not as necessarily criticism or insult, which it may or may not have been. It was both at times. But I was able to say, you know, I can glean from that the good because I, I so appreciate his attention to detail and the standard that he holds everybody to. But it was hard. I mean, I remember times we would beat the team by 60-some points, and, and the question would be, so who going to get cussed out tomorrow? Because I know we didn't do something right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and you know what's interesting about that, Ben, is too, is like I think we're the same with – with our walk and and we expect it to be different with our kids. So now you're 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 post 10 years, you're going back now to to New England, you're at a different spot and now in parents we're in a different spot. Right? Like we've already been through those ups and downs as we were when our kid and now when we demand and expect of our kids a lot of times, we got to understand they got to go through those things. Right? They got to experience those things for themselves. Just because just because we screwed it up and we want to teach them you don't do what we did, it don't mean it's going to work. Like they they've got to it's their journey. It's their it's their walk that they're going to go through and they're going to mess up and they're going to and we got to continue to battle with them as opposed to sometimes we place so much expectation and so much you should be able to handle this when we couldn't. And you had a great dad, Ben. Like you had a great upbringing. You were raised in the church. They're still gonna fall short. They're still gonna. They're still gonna disappoint us. They're still gonna mess up. Yeah. Well, it's so hard because we won't. We don't want them to make the same mistakes that we made. But, but those mistakes made us who we yeah. are. Yeah, that's true. Um, well, we appreciate your I time. Mean, I, I think the biggest thing about that, though, is um, you you don't want your because you've gone through certain things, you, you want your kids to understand that their value is not based in their performance. Um, and, and while you expect them to do certain things, it's an opportunity, I think, for parents to enter the journey with their kids and be honest with them about where they fell short. Um, so many times, you know, we forget that we look that when we were born, our parents were already in their 30s, right? <laughs> 20 late 20s to 40s is what our parents were so we always saw them as these adults that never messed up the only thing we know they messed up on is if they told us and so one thing i try to remember with my kids is to 
allowed them to see my frailties. Like, daddy, are you nervous when you go and speak? Yes, I'm terrified. Why? You do a good job. Well, because I'm in front of people and, on, and I'm on a camera. Kind of like when you have to do your speech at school. You know, we deal with the same struggles. I remember being a kid. I had a conversation with, and we're, we're starting to, you know, with my son. We've had the sex talk already because he's he's already 10. So we've already done that. But the hormones are going to start changing. And so it's, it's allowing him to know that, yeah, daddy saw girls and thought that they were cute back in the day. Seems seems really simple. But it's about entering into their experience while not lowering a standard, calling them to a high standard, but letting them know ultimately that when and if they mess up, which you did as well, that's why we all need the blood of Christ. Mm-hmm. Like mommy and daddy aren't above it. My son asked me the other day, he's like, I know we sin, but what are some of the things that you and mommy do? Cause y'all don't never mess up. Like what does God discipline y'all for? I was like, okay, you ready? I got a long list. Let me start. Here. <laughs> You know, but but I think that that's powerful because because we're we're all going to mess our kids up in some way because we're human. But we want them to know that I'm just an older version of a kid. Like I, I'm 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 made of the same stuff that you are. <laughs> you know, unfortunately, I just, yes. I just been I just been living longer, son. But I'm made of the same dirt that you are. Thank you for listening to this week's Family Goals podcast with Davey Pollock and Pastor Jay. I love how simple Ben's approach is to discipling his own kids, reading the word of God. It's just that simple. As a parent, it is your responsibility to make sure that you are investing into your kids on a spiritual level, not the churches, not the schools, not anybody else. It's on you. Are you reading the word of God with your family? Are you listening to the word of God? I challenge you to start reading Proverbs 3 today with your family and discuss it. Thanks for joining us and we'll catch you next week.